Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. The setup will be a little bit different today. Uh, We, yesterday at church, our recording didn't happen. And so I'm just coming back on, re-recording the message uh, for all of you who want to watch it online. So we're in Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, as we continue in our series of by faith and just seeing all of these different examples of faith and how all of these Old Testament examples uh, lived by faith. And the writer of Hebrews is showing his readers that this has always been God's plan for those who are just, for those who are his righteous ones, that they would live by faith. We're going to continue looking at the life of Abraham in verses 17 through 19 of Hebrews chapter 11. So this is what the Bible says. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Now, I don't know how many of you are weirdos and like tests, uh, taking tests in school. Most people don't really like to do that. Most people don't like taking tests for uh, all kinds of reasons, but not many people enjoy them. But the thing about tests is they're kind of a, uh, an inevitable thing in your learning experience. As you uh, continue learning, if you have uh, gone through school at all, then you know it's something that takes place in order to both evaluate us and to prepare us for a higher level of learning. In fact, uh, those of us who have a high school diploma or a college degree, when people know that you have that, they know that you have passed certain amount of tests and certain level of education of tests in order to receive that diploma or to receive that college degree because tests are just something that take place. And the thing about tests, though we don't like them, uh, the thing about tests is when tests come, it's an opportunity to evaluate and to prepare us for a higher level of learning. Now, of course, we're not just talking about tests uh, in school. We're talking about life tests. And we're going to see a test in the life of Abraham, a major test. In fact, it's more like a final exam in the life of Abraham, not uh, so much a pop quiz. Uh, we, we do have a lot of those pop quizzes throughout our life, uh, life pop quizzes, where God brings up a test of faith that's kind of a small one that we step forward by faith in, and then uh, those major ones come, those big ones come, and those are the ones that really we're going to be seeing in the life of Abraham here, because Abraham had a major major test here. So let's look at the test of faith, Abraham's major exam of faith. The author of Hebrews tells us that it came when God asked Abraham to offer up Isaac, who was the promise. And that's a major test. Think about that. Giving up your only son, the son whom you love, as we'll see in Genesis chapter 22 in just a moment. So Here are some indicators, already at the get-go, here are some indicators that we know that we're going through a major test in life. And here here are those indicators. One would be that it requires something significant of us. And the second thing would be that it seems to make absolutely no sense at all. 
For Abraham, this was quite an ask. This was a significant thing. God knew that. He said, Isaac, whom you love, that's the one I'm asking you to give to me. And then also it seemed to make zero sense. Isaac, as it said in Hebrews, was the son of promise. He was the son of promise. He was the one who God was going to bring about all of the promises he gave to Abraham and in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed, that in him he would have descendants that were innumerable. All of those things were going to happen through Isaac. And so this ask of God to offer up Isaac doesn't really make much sense, but such is the case many times with the major tests of faith in our life, that it doesn't seem to make sense and God is asking something significant of us. See, what God is asking Abraham to do doesn't seem to make sense. And it's something that required something very significant from him. But what we see take place is a test of faith that I would say is passed with flying colors. It's passed with flying colors. And I believe we see that take place in the life of Abraham because of three key aspects of Abraham's life of faith. So let's take a look at it in Genesis chapter 22 is where we're going to be pretty much the rest of the message, Genesis chapter 22, as we see this story unfold. And I want us to see, first of all, that Abraham was committed to God. He was committed to God. Verse 1 uh, through 3 of Genesis 22 says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now that word tempt uh, is just an old English word that means to test. Tempting now seems to mean to lure uh, into sin or to lure to do something wrong. We know that that God doesn't do that. The book of James tells us that God does not tempt any man in that manner. In fact, he's done all the work that was, uh, that was uh, required to free us from sin. So he would not tempt us to fall back into that bondage of sin. That doesn't make any sense. So this word tempt here, it's talking about a testing. He's testing Abraham. So he came to test Abraham and said to Abraham, Abraham, and he so said, behold, here I am, an immediate response from Abraham. We're going to see that take place again in just a moment, but then it says, and he said, this is God speaking, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. We see a commitment from Abraham with God here because Abraham, I see even first of all in verse number one, he was committed to hearing the voice of God and to respond to the voice of God. Abraham, here I am. He was, he was committed to hearing God's voice and to uh, responding to God's voice. I see in verse number three that he was committed to obey God and obey quickly at that. We see it, he rose up early in the morning. He did everything that he needed to do to prepare for this to take place. This is what he was doing with uh, his obedience. He was committed to obey the Lord and quickly at that. We see others in scripture. I love when we see that in scripture, people who are committed to obeying the Lord. I think of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in in the book of Daniel. Daniel, of course, it tells us right there in the first chapter, he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself with the king's meat. Prior to them even asking him to do so, he already had predecided in his heart, I'm not going to do something that goes against what God has asked me to do. Later in the book of Daniel, they tell him to not do something, to not pray, and he has already predecided in his heart, 
in his heart as at other times he would pray and he was going to do that thing which he knew honored the Lord. And so we see him having that commitment to follow the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love how they responded to Nebuchadnezzar when Nebuchadnezzar set up the statue and said, when the music plays, you bow down to this thing. And they said, uh, we can't do that. They stood, they stayed standing when the music played and then they were given the second chance. And I think it's in chapter three and verse 16 of Daniel where they respond to uh, Nebuchadnezzar this way. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. What, what were they saying there? We're not full of care. We're not worried about what we're going to answer you. We don't have to deliberate on this. We know what we're going to answer. It's pre-decided. We've committed to the Lord what we're going to do. And what we're going to do is we're not going to bow. We're only going to bow to the Lord. And we see deliverance take place for both of those stories, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and in the life of Daniel because of their commitment. And in the life of Abraham, that's what we see here. That's what we see is a commitment to the Lord and we see him obey. And then it tells us in verse number four that he looked up and he saw the place from a distance on the third day. Now, keep this in mind. I believe this is... Uh, these are details that are given for a reason. We're going to come back to them toward the end of the message. But uh, he looked up on the third day and saw the place. All right, he saw it. Uh, but then I want you to notice what he says next. Because what we see is not, uh, not only was Abraham committed to God, he was confident in God. He was confident in God. We see him have such faith and trust in the Lord. Look at verse number five of Genesis chapter 22. And Abraham said to his young men, abide ye here, abide ye here. You stay here. And this is what he says. Then he says this, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and will come again to you. Did you catch that? Did you catch that he said, me and Isaac are gonna go and we're gonna worship and we're gonna come back. We're gonna come back. He, he had confidence in God that much so that God was going to do something in order that he and Isaac were gonna be coming back after they worshiped. We see that faith and that confidence in the Lord. He understood God's promise. He understood God's promise. He knew God had promised Isaac is the one whom the, uh, the promise would come through. Isaac is the seed of promise. In fact, if you were with us in last week's study, when we looked at the faith of Abraham and Sarah, when they came together and their faith was what spurred even the conception of Isaac that uh, the book of Hebrews tells us. Man, when we see that, Abraham at this moment knows that promise. When God reiterated to them, no, this is going to take place through Sarah. Isaac is the chosen one. He is the promised seed. He's the seed of promise. Abraham knew that, and Abraham believed in that. And I believe that's why he said, I and Isaac are gonna go, we're gonna worship, but we're going to come back to you, because he had confidence in God's promise. In fact, the book of Hebrews tells us this, he accounted unto God, that's a calculating term. He calculated in his mind, God is able, God is able to raise up Isaac from the dead if need be. I know God's promise is through Isaac. I know that to be the case. And because God is asking me to offer up Isaac, here's what I know. I'm gonna follow God, I'm gonna obey, I'm gonna have faith and trust in him because I'm confident that his promise in the seed of, in the seed of promise in Isaac is going to stand. I believe him, so I'm gonna follow and do what he's asked me to do and I'm gonna trust him to do what only he can do to keep his promise. Man, that is some confidence in God. That is some faith that we see there in the life 
of Abraham. But then he, uh, cons- the, uh, the conversation between him and Isaac goes on and we see his faith again. If you continue down, it says, they came, uh, sorry, in verse number seven, it says, uh, Abraham is, or Isaac is speaking to Abraham and he says, my father, and he said, here I am, son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Man, again, we see his confidence in God. Uh, God will provide himself. Isaac, I, I really don't have an answer for you other than this. God's going to fix this one. Isaac, I can't even imagine how that would have gone and what would have been going through Isaac's head. Uh, Dad, we have the wood. I see all the kindling. I see all the resources we need to make an offering. Except for one thing, Dad, we don't have the offering. (laughs) What are we going to do? And we see here Abraham's faith in God, his confidence in God, when he said, Isaac, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. What an amazing amount of faith in God. This confidence displayed by Abraham. But notice what takes place next. Verse 9 through 11. It says, And they came to the place which God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him in the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, And he said, here am I. Now, what I want us to notice in this portion of the story is that not only was Abraham committed to God, not only did he have confidence in God, but Abraham was close to God. He was close to God. Now, first of all, I think it's interesting the submission of Isaac here. I mean, think about the age gap here. If you... If Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born, and many Bible scholars have estimates of anywhere between, at this point in the story, that Isaac was somewhere between 16 and 30 years old, somewhere in that uh, realm of age. So uh, that puts Abraham at about 116 to 130. So let's pick a middle number. Let's say 23, all right? Let's say Isaac is 23, and Abraham's 123 at this point in the story. I don't care who you put up against, what 123-year-old up against the 23-year-old you put up against. My money's on the 23-year-old. The 23-year-old's going to win that fight every time. Physically, Isaac was probably more fit than his father Abraham in this moment. Isaac could have fought Abraham on this matter. But what do we see take place? Abraham built an altar, laid the wood, and bound Isaac. Bound Isaac up. And you see that submission there from Isaac. It's a wonderful and beautiful picture of the submission that we see in our Savior, Jesus Christ, when he submitted to the will of his Father. And it's a good reminder and picture to us on how we should be submitted to the will of our Father there in that submission of Isaac. We'll talk a little bit about him even more next week. But then, I love this. Abraham lifts up the knife. You continue the story. And the voice of God... I believe that angel of the Lord here is Jesus. Uh, The the angel of the Lord is a name oftentimes that people see in the Old Testament that we believe is a reference to Jesus, the incarnate son of God. And so God is speaking out and he says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. Now, let me ask you this question. What if Abraham wouldn't have heard God's voice there? 
What if Abraham wouldn't have heard God's voice? He had the knife ready. He was ready to plunge it down into his son to offer his son Isaac up to God. What if he wouldn't have heard the voice of God? What if right as the knife goes up, Abraham allows bitterness and resentment and anger to well up in his heart and say, fine God, and just plunges through and, and that bitterness and anger cut him off or closed himself off from the voice of God? What if he hadn't heard the voice of God? What a mistake and what a mess that could have ensued here because of that bitterness and anger. But Abraham, we don't see that take place. He trusted God. He had that confidence in God. I believe that because of the passage here and the passage in Hebrews 11, that he pulled the knife up, still sensitive to the Lord. Still sensitive to the voice of the Lord. And with that pulling of the knife up, he hears the voice of God. Abraham, Abraham. And just like we saw at the beginning of the chapter, his initial response is, here I am, Lord. Here I am. What do you need, Lord? He was still sensitive to the Lord because he remained close to him in his heart. He didn't let bitterness or, angerness or, or anger or, or resentment uh, cut him off from the voice of the Lord. He was still sensitive to the voice of the Lord, even in this time of testing. I think too many Christians, too many Christians allow themselves to get bitter and angry and resentful toward God in their time of testings of faith. And a lot of times what they'll do because of that is they'll cut themselves off from the voice of God. They'll stop being in his word. They'll stop praying to him and communicating to him through prayer. They'll get away from the church and they'll stop going to church and hearing the word of God encouraged uh, through other believers and, and through the songs that they would sing there and through the preaching of God's word at church. They get themselves cut off from the voice of God and as a result, a mess often ensues in their life. Friends, if I can encourage you with anything, in the middle of your testings of faith, stay close to God. Stay close to his word. Stay sensitive to his voice. Be in his word. Pray get with his body, the church, and hear his word, in, uh, in, uh, ingest his word into your life in those ways so that you might continue to grow in your testing of faith and that you might hear his voice when he speaks to you in that time of faith or in that time of testing. So many people, I, I, I've seen this take place in my life and I know other and maybe some of you listening have seen this take place, where someone who is allowing the testings of their life to make them bitter at God, they're allowing it to distance themselves from, uh, to close themselves off from the voice of God. And when they do so, you go to church and you hear a message and you go, man, they needed that. Man, they needed that. That was exactly what they needed for this time of their life. But they missed it because they allowed anger and bitterness and resentment to cut them off from the voice of the Lord. Abraham, I don't believe he did that. I believe he stayed sensitive to the voice of the Lord, even in the midst of this testing that didn't make sense, that could have very well welled up some resentment and anger in his life, but he didn't allow it to. He listened to the voice of God. And as a result, Abraham, Abraham, and he says, here I am. And then we see something amazing take place. We see that he saw something. Verse 12 through 14 tells us this. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. This is God speaking to him. For now I know that thou fearest God, 
seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. So what did he see? He saw something amazing. What did he see? He saw the Lord provide. What he had faith in God to do, God did. And he named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which we translate as the Lord will provide. Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. That word Jireh, a literal translation actually even means this, to see beforehand. To see beforehand. So one man said it this way, what we get in God's provision we only get to see because God saw it in his prevision. He had pre-planned how he was going to provide for Abraham in this moment. Man, isn't that beautiful? Think about it this way, that as Abraham and Isaac were walking up one side of the mountain, here this ram is walking up another side of the mountain. God in his prevision already had pre-planned how he was going to provide for Abraham. But Abraham didn't see it until he moved forward by faith. So what God is going to do in your life is pre-seen by him. But you won't see it provided until you move by obedience. And Abraham, he saw that provision. But that's not the only thing I believe Abraham saw here. You remember verse four, I said we'd come back to verse four. It said that on the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place. If you look in verse 13, he saw the provision. Behold, he beheld the ram. Verse 14, he saw what God saw, Jehovah Jireh. He saw, he saw the provision of what God had already seen beforehand. And then notice that last line of verse 14. It says, to this day, it is said, in the time of when Genesis was written, it says, to this day, it is said, that in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Future tense. It shall be seen. If you go to uh, John chapter number eight and you were to read that chapter, you'd see John, uh, Jesus here speaking to the Pharisees. And as he's speaking to the Pharisees, Jesus is telling them of who he is. And Jesus is talking about the fact that he is the very son of God. And the Pharisees, they're, they're looking at him as if he's crazy. And what they say is they're like, you're not even 50. And you're acting as if you know Abraham. You're speaking of Abraham as if you know him. And Jesus says these words. He says, before Abraham was, I am. That's the name of God. Back when Moses saw the burning bush and he said, who should I say sent me to uh, deliver the people? And he said, tell them I am sent you. So what is Jesus saying there? He's saying, before Abraham existed, I was God. I existed before then. I am God is what he was saying there. But then he goes on to say this, Abraham saw my day and he, he rejoiced to see it. He was glad. He rejoiced to see my day. 
So I believe that Abraham in this day, I, I believe this is the day because of all the wording of when he saw, he, and on the third day he saw, and all of the things that we see here in this passage, I believe that Abraham also saw here a glimpse of what Jesus would do around 2,000 years after this offering up of Isaac. Because let me get you in on another little secret about this. Mount Moriah, this area where Abraham offered up Isaac. This area uh, it sits about a, a few hundred yards away from another famous place we know that's named Calvary. Uh, on this same mountaintop, another son would be offered up as a sacrifice. God, in fact, did provide himself a lamb. Not only that, he provided himself as the lamb. The lamb that would take away the sins of the world. And if you're listening and if you've never trusted Christ as your savior, Jesus gave his life on Calvary for you to be saved from your sin. If you've never done that, if you've never been saved, you've never accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation, all the work that was required for salvation, for eternal life in heaven with God was done by Jesus Christ on the cross there at Calvary. And if you've never accepted that gift of salvation, I invite you to do that today. If you're listening, you have more questions, reach out to us. We would love to show you from the word of God how you can know that you're a Christian, that you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you have his finished work on the cross to your account so that you, your sin has been taken care of and you will spend forever in eternity with God uh, in heaven. I, I encourage you, if you have never made that decision, reach out to us and we would love to show you from the word of God how you can know that. But not only is this story a wonderful foreshadowing of the gospel, but it's a challenge to each and every one of us today. So let me close by asking just a few questions. The first one I'd ask is this, are you committed to God? Are you really committed to God? Along with that, I'd ask this, what is your Isaac? What is the thing that God knows you love more than anything? What is that thing that you're holding in your hands that you would say, no, God can't have this because you're too attached to it, that God is actually asking, bring it to me. What is that thing? Are you fully committed to God? Are you committed enough to give that over to him and to surrender it to him? The next question I'd ask is this, are you trusting in God? Do you have that confidence that we see in the life of Abraham in God? Are you placing your faith fully in him? Are you living by faith? Are you living and acting in a way as if what God has said, that his promises, that they're truthful and that he's faithful to fulfill those promises? Are you living with that trust and that confidence and that faith in him? And then lastly, I'd ask, are you staying sensitive to the, to the voice of the Lord? Are you staying sensitive to the voice of God? Even in the midst of trials and testings, don't allow yourself to get distracted or to get angry or to get bitter. Stay sensitive to the voice of God by staying close to him in his word, in prayer, and together with his body, the church. Are you staying close to God by staying sensitive to the voice of God? Now, what, an, uh, what a great example of faith we see here in the life of Abraham. A man who was committed to God a man who was confident in God, and a man who was close to God. And in, in the end, we actually see him also commended by God. 
He's there in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He's one of those hallmarks of faith that you see all throughout the New Testament. When people want to talk about faith, the Holy Spirit inspired these people to write down about the faith of this man, Abraham. He was commended by God in a great way because of his faith. So how about it today, my friends? Let's not just hear about the example of faith in Abraham. Let's put this into practice and determine that we're going to stay committed to God in the midst of our testing. That we're going to stay confident in his promises even in the midst of times when it doesn't make sense. We're going to stay confident and trust in him and his word. And we're going to stay close to him and sensitive to his voice as he speaks to us. Let's determine today that like Abraham, each and every one of us are going to live by faith. Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media, and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.